0: Well, the Aussie dollar had a bad week last week, so could it go lower this week as China signals less demand for iron ore, pulling prices down and taking the Aussie with it? And obviously, lockdown for longer isn't going to help either. Could the Aussie hit 73 cents and does it matter if it does? We'll look at the impacts of that today. Plus, on that recovery race between the US and Europe, numbers on Friday suggest that America is coming second. It's Monday, the 2nd of August, 2021. It's the Morning Call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a big fall in bond yields on Friday, almost five basis points down for US 10-year Treasuries. The yield down below 1.23% now. Aussie 10 years uh, were up two and a half basis points on Friday, but down two over the week. And German bunds lost four basis points over the week. The S&P, Dow and Nasdaq all down on Friday, as much as 0.7% down for the Nasdaq, which lost 1.1% over the week. Not as much as the Shanghai Composite, though. That lost 4.3% last week. We'll talk about that later on. And the ASX 200... Lost a third of 1% on Friday, but was flat over the week. And the US dollar climbed a third of 1% on the DXY on Friday, but lost 0.8% over the week. The Aussie dollar lost 0.7% on Friday. The big winners over the week were the Swiss franc up almost 1.5% and the pound at 1.1%. Not such good news for Australia either. That 6.6% fall in iron ore on Friday, down almost 9% over the week. Whilst oil was up last week, uh, Brent climbed over 3% uh, over the course of the week. So a lot of movement at the station, if you don't mind a bit of uh, Banjo Patterson this early in the morning. And he's not exactly the man from Snowy River, but here's Ray Atrell this morning from NAB in Sydney at home, of course, at home potentially for quite a long time, I suspect, uh, Ray, and I'm sure that's not helping sentiment in the, uh, in, in the Aussie dollar. But also, you know, words from China about uh, not buying as much iron ore as well.
1: Yeah. Good morning, Phil. But uh, yes, from uh, from lockdown, New South Wales, and uh, at least we've got some Olympics to uh, keep us keep us interested. So, what we're going to do next week or not, I don't know. So I've been
0: uh, yeah up up late watching the the, carry on till Christmas,
1: (laughs) (laughs) watching the Italians clean up in the uh, in the the, the high jump and the uh, and the hundred meters after the Euro twenty twenty victory. But yes, I think one of the big stories last week is that the. uh, the wind has come out of the sails of the iron ore price with uh, with some alacrity, hasn't it? So you've mentioned the daily price mm-hmm. falls, but um, you know we're off almost twenty percent from the highs that we saw late in May. And um, you know, and a couple of things here. We what we, you know, we knew last week that uh, China was moving to um, impose taxes on the export of, uh, of steel, effectively, and also um, reduce or eliminate um, export rebates. Um, so you know, this sort of plays to the view that, that China really wants to curb production. And when we think that um, steel output in the first half of this year was about 12% up on the same period last year, and publicly at least, China is saying it doesn't want 2021 output to be any higher than 2020, the the implication is that uh, steel output will have to contract in the second half of the year. So I think that uh, that is really sort of playing to um, to a reduction in demand for, for iron ore <clears throat> really showing up in, the, in those futures markets. But um, yes, yeah, so and, and uh, I, I don't think the message completely lost on the Australian dollar. It's kind of a little bit ironic that we've had this relentless rise in iron ore over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, which the, the currency markets have studiously ignored even though it's the biggest, iron ore is the biggest component of Australia's terms of trade. Um, and when prices Start falling on the other side. They don't seem to be ignored, um, you know, quite so aggressively. So in the past, when this has
0: been talked about, though, I mean, it was been saying, well, you know, China can signal that they're going to take less, but you know, they, but they need iron ore from somewhere, and there's not a lot of choice. But I mean, the, the, what's different this time? It seems are, are they basically saying, well, that's all fine. We'll take what we need, but we're going to need less. But we're not. We're not going to. We're not going to process it. We're not going to. Uh, we're not going to create steel for for export. Is that is that what's changing here?
1: Well, to some extent. I mean, obviously they're claiming. Um, a, an environmental card here as well mm. because steel production obviously is, is a major contributor to, to, um, to, environmental damage. So they're sort of playing that card a little bit. And obviously, you know, in terms of recovery from the pandemic, it, it has been a very sort of old, you know, old style sort of infrastructure, heavy recovery to mm. date. But, um, if we look at the manufacturing PMIs that came out on Saturday, we see some further weakness in, um, in the manufacturing one, at least it was down about what, four tenths or so, or services is, broadly holding up at least anyway so you are you know it's more signs of that rotation if you like away from reliance on non manufacturing and heavy industry so i think there is a sort of a genuine push here both to to rebalance the um, the ongoing uh, post pandemic recovery um, you know to claim some some environmental sort of credentials if you like with reducing that and uh, um, so it's also it's becoming a little bit of a perfect storm i'd suggest and uh, and certainly looking at forward curves etc you'd have to say that there is there is every chance that uh, iron ore prices are going to continue to fall but um yeah. you know that said look at what the treasurer is forecasting for iron ore in the budget I think it's something like fifty five dollars and here we are closer to two hundred dollars yes so there's way to go. there's no concerns for what it means for <laughs> uh, for revenues flowing into the coffers
0: of uh, of Josh Frydenberg, just at the moment at least anyway right but the broader economy is a bit of a concern perhaps so that that uh, that manufacturing uh, PMI over the weekend in China so fifty point four From 50.9, so 50.4, still expansionary, but it just takes another drop like that. And it's not, of course. Um, we get the Cajun right. number um, today. which uh, So I wonder what that's going to tell us. It's going to be a similar story.
1: Yes. Well, uh, as I say, so that's coming out. Uh, it's about the, just a major release uh, during our time zone, at least this morning. And the expectation there is it slips to 51.0 from 51.3. Um, probably the risk is that uh, it could be a little bit weaker than that, given those official numbers at least. But, um, yeah, still in expansion in t- territory. But I think these are the lowest numbers that we've had. Effectively, since the uh, since going into the pandemic, at least anyway, so just more signs as we say that uh, you know the manufacturing side of the Chinese economy is, is continuing to ease back, but uh, still you know not alarming in the sense that uh, you know growth was overall GDP growth was eight percent in the year to the second quarter, and, and the sort of target for this year is six or six and a half percent. So, so in a way, what we're seeing is fully consistent with a you know a further moderation in growth, but um, but nothing that's going to fall short of. Um, China objectives.
0: Well, the other problem, of course, for the Aussie dollar is the fact that we are seeing this lockdown. It could last, who knows when it's going to last, but we've got uh, Brisbane now in lockdown. We had 239 cases reported in Sydney yesterday, of which only 80 were in isolation. This thing could go on for a while. So uh, could the Aussie get down to 73 cents this week, do you think? And,
1: uh, well, we were briefly below 73 cents the week before last, weren't we? And then we have recovered back to, to 74 and it looked like we might be forming something of a base. But here we are, you know, around in the middle of that sort of 73 to 74 range. So looking at it from a sort of technical or a chart perspective, the Aussie hasn't done nearly enough work yet on the upside uh, to suggest, <coughs> excuse me, that the um, the near term risks aren't still skewed to the downside, you know, against that, we have got the US dollar, you know, starting to lose some of its luster, at least anyway, and where I would probably note that the, in real terms, US bond yields have, have plunged to new record lows over the course of last week. Yeah. Um, there's something like 20 basis points lower over the month, you know, and that historically is a, it's a negative force on the US dollar. So probably the best hope in the next little while, at least for the Aussie, is that the US dollar uh, continues to lose ground but certainly those lockdowns of uh, you know and a very limited prospect i think of, of new south wales coming out of them um you know until well into september at the earliest um, is, is leading to you know uh, obviously you a downgraded forecast for q3 GDP, which we know is now going to be negative and um, you know with as you say queensland and and Victoria joining with uh, with lockdowns uh, over the course of the quarter. That won't help either. And the key thing also, I guess, that feeds into the Aussie is the expectation that the RBA is at least going to give a stay of execution to this tapering yes. of its uh, bond purchases, and we're looking for an announcement from
0: from them tomorrow in that respect. Well, it'd be a bold move if they did, if they did push ahead with it, wouldn't it? Because it yeah. looks like we are looking for a contraction of GDP in Q3. I mean, you know, if the lockdown continues, Q4 maybe, who knows? But I mean, but just finishing on the currency, is, is seventy three cents a big concern. I mean, it's spent most of the last few years, you know, even before the pandemic we were lucky to get over 73.
1: uh, No, I mean, 73 is is probably something of a sweet spot. If you ask the RBA, (laughs) pick a number um, and you can have it, I would think they would be pretty happy down here. Although, um, Mm. you know, I've been a little bit critical of their claims that, uh, you know, a weaker Aussie was really desirable from a economic recovery perspective in the sense that that some of the sectors that are most sensitive to the exchange rate, I'm thinking tourism and education, you know, obviously with closed borders, um, the pass through from, or the linkage, if you like, from a weaker currency through to, to a stronger ec- economic activity in those service sectors is pretty much um, it's, it's null and void just at the moment isn't it mm. so um you know the bigger concern is it's adding to uh, you know it's obviously adding to import costs and i was looking at the numbers for, for freight charges uh, at the end of last week and it's now um it costs i think it's nine thousand us dollars for a 40-foot container shipped from say shanghai to rotterdam um, that's up fifty percent just in the last couple of months. So, mm. you know, if you're if you're an importer here and and, and you know and you're not hedged at better levels, then you're you're suffering the slings and arrows both of, of much higher freight costs alongside, you know, a weaker Aussie dollar. And, and for most importers, they're paying in, in US dollars for, for stuff coming from China or elsewhere in the world.
0: Now, uh, let's talk about Europe versus the United States. We were talking about it a bit with Gavin on Friday about how you know Europe does seem to be uh, picking up momentum. More than the US is right now, and we saw some numbers really supporting that, didn't we? Over the, over Friday,
1: no, absolutely. So Eurozone Q2 flash estimate of GDP coming in at two percent uh, was expected at one and a half percent, and compare that to the US. So we've got you know a slightly more than eight percent annualised growth, and so we compare that with the way the US reports their numbers, um, you know, which was what six and a half percent, wasn't mm. it? Albeit you know those numbers were depressed a little bit by uh, by big inventory uh, drawdowns, but um, but yes, at face value. Eurozone growing faster than the US. And yeah. when you look at the breakdown, what's interesting, it's the euro periphery. Yeah. Um, so looking at Spain, Italy, Austria, 4.3% on the quarter. Wow. That must make it the fastest growing economy in the world, I would suspect, in, uh, in Q2. And yet just 0.9%. Um, Four point.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sorry. You carry on, but I was going to. No, I was to
1: say yes. 0.9 for France and Germany actually undershot. Right. So Germany 1.5 versus 2% ex- expected. Uh, despite which, the overall eurozone um, economy performed better than expected, even though its largest economy uh, fell short of expectations. So pretty good, uh, pretty good result, it has to be said. But still, you know, largely lost on, on financial markets. Our theme, if you like, has been that as uh, as the eurozone economy picks up relative to the US. We should start to see the euro, in particular, starting to improve, and and the facts are coming in. But um, you know, markets, I think, are going to still want to say, "Well, let's seeing is believing, and let's see what happens as we go through the second half of the year." But ultimately, I think this this should play positively for the euro and remember that that EU recovery fund uh, spending is due to start kicking in soon at the same time that, um, you know, US fiscal support is is going to be waning. Incidentally, it's just uh, since we've been recording, we've uh, seen that uh, it seems that the US, uh, this Ten-person bipartisan committee has agreed to the text of the infrastructure bill, so there uh, so may well be a procedural vote uh, popping up uh, during the course of the Australian morning, and that should uh, then uh, potentially move to a full Senate vote in the next couple of days. So a little bit of positive news there. But remember that infrastructure plan is expected to be fully funded yeah, through so revenue does, increases, well, so then, it's not yeah. you know it's not supportive to the economy in the way that the Biden you know 1.9 trillion stimulus plan was.
0: So and uh, just while we're talking the US. So, Lael Brainard on Friday after the market close uh, was another to say that the US had some way to go with jobs before they could look at uh, tapering. Uh, but we had James Bullard on the other side from the Dallas Fed saying, well, we should taper almost straight away and finish it off uh, by Q1 next year. Not exactly a unanimous voice going on in the Fed, is that? I think that, um,
1: you know, James Bullard is, uh, I don't know where he's, uh, he's sort of, he's <laughs> screaming loudly in a cave but no one's really listening at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, Understandably. Uh, you know, perhaps. looking at what's happening with bond markets and looking how the market is actually pushing out somewhat its expectations. So um, I think Brainard's comments are probably more reflective of, of the uh, the collective or the majority view and remember she sits on the on the board rather than being a regional fed president so um yeah. you know i think uh, you know she's probably a little bit closer to the action so you know Bullard may well be right um and and he's saying we should start tapering now and we should be raising rates in, in q4 2022 is his base case so we know he's one of the dots uh for an interest rate increase in 2022 but um you know I think the point that Brainard made it was still many many months away from or several months away before we can say that we've satisfied this substantial progress required as a precondition for tapering. So to us, that's still looking like you know, September at the absolute earliest and possibly not
0: until November or December. Right, US ISM manufacturing uh, number is out later today. The uh, the market Eurozone manufacturing PMI, the Keijing China uh, manufacturing PMI, which we've talked about in the retail sales for Germany. So a few numbers today, which you do not have time to talk about, i Ray. Uh, but we uh, will catch you again very soon. Thanks for your time. Well, well, thanks, Rob. And I'm back tomorrow morning with Rodrigo. We can talk more about the RBA uh, tomorrow then. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. See you on Tuesday. Have a great day.